The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This is Paul Ratzer. You're listening to the Marketing Book Podcast with Douglas Burdett. Welcome to the Marketing Book Podcast. Helping you keep up with the smartest thinking in the quickly changing field of modern marketing. And now, here's your host, Douglas Burdett. Hello, thanks for joining me on the Marketing Book Podcast. I'm your host, Douglas Burdett, and my goal in this podcast is to help you discover new ideas about what's working in modern marketing to help make you a more successful marketer. Don't worry about taking notes. I'm going to do that for you, and you can find them at marketingbookpodcast.com. Today, I'm joined by Paul Ratzer, author of The Marketing Performance Blueprint, Strategies and Technologies to Build and Measure Business Success. Paul is founder and CEO of PR2020, an inbound marketing agency based in Cleveland, Ohio. PR2020 was the first firm in HubSpot's certified agency partner program, which now includes more than 1,500 agencies worldwide. Paul's first book, The Marketing Agency Blueprint serves as a guide for building tech-savvy, hybrid marketing agencies like his agency. Paul frequently speaks at national and international events on the topics of agency management, content marketing, inbound marketing, marketing measurement and performance, public relations, social media, and strategy. He is also the creator of Marketing Agency Insider, a hub for a more open and collaborative agency ecosystem, and Marketing Score a free online assessment tool and marketing intelligence engine. Paul is also carrying on a proud tradition here on the Marketing Book Podcast of being the author of a marketing book who is also a Cleveland Browns fan. (laughs) (laughs) Paul, congratulations on the Marketing Performance Blueprint and welcome to the Marketing Book Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I thought you were going to start off by congratulating me with something to do with the Cleveland Browns, and it was going to go downhill from there. <laughs> well, well, you know, I guess my take on this, I have a client who's from Akron, and yeah. he's a Cleveland Browns fan, and from other, there seem to be a lot of people who write marketing books who are either from Cleveland or Cleveland Browns fans. I don't know how that happened, but I don't think there's ever any, anything but diehard Cleveland Browns fans. Is that correct? Yeah, we we love the punishment. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but <laughs> there are a lot of marketing authors in Cleveland, and there are a lot of people in Cleveland who love following a team that loses for a decade or so in a row. <laughs> I think there are no fair weather Cleveland Browns fans, <laughs> yeah. but maybe that new color on the logo will. That'll know. definitely do it. <laughs> that'll, wake, that'll wake things up. Um, let me just quote one thing from the book, and sure. uh, we'll go from there. This was actually toward the end. He said, at its core, the marketing performance blueprint is a story about the convergence of marketing talent, technology, and strategy, and the opportunity to build a performance-driven organization. Success requires a commitment to evolve as marketers and as businesses. So, Paul, what was the story that led to this book? Why did this book happen? Well, 
So I wrote the first one in 2011, and it was very much the agency side of the story. It was the consumers were changing, the industry was changing, and agencies needed to evolve to offer different types of services, be structured in different ways, build different technology and talent. And so shortly after that first book, I, I really started thinking about the, the corporate side of the story. What is the story for marketers, execs, and entrepreneurs? And so we really started expanding on this idea of hybrid professionals, because in the first book I wrote about agencies needed to hire hybrids who have skills across multiple disciplines and more of a generalist versus specialist. And so we wrote an ebook called uh, Evolution of the Prototype Marketer, The Hybrids Are Coming. And that was kind of the first piece. Like we knew that talent was a critical component of where marketing was going. And then in 2012, 2013, you started seeing study after study from like Adobe and IBM and Gartner and Forrester, all basically saying the same thing. And that was that marketers were being held to higher standards of ROI, but that they were largely underprepared and underperforming. And it just after each time we'd read this, you just stop and think like, why is this happening? And so what I came to believe what it was it was this convergence that the reason that organizations were underperforming and, and that marketers were feeling underprepared was because they didn't have the right people in place. So the marketing teams didn't have the right people in place or the marketers didn't have the right knowledge and skill sets needed to excel in today's environment. The second piece was they didn't have the right technology because all of a sudden marketers were being put in a position to evaluate, select, and manage technology solutions that historically would have been done by IT departments. So now you have marketers who are lacking skill sets needed. They're lacking the technology they need. They don't even understand necessarily how all this technology works together and what it enables. And if you don't have the right talent and you don't have the right tech, you're never going to build the optimal strategies. And if you don't build the optimal strategy, you're, you're not even come close to achieving performance potential. So the book was all about like, how do we succeed as businesses and as marketers? How do we reach our potential? And I just kind of looked at this logical process of, well, if it's not the right, you know, the right people, you don't have the right tech, you're not going to have the right strategy and you're going to fall short on performance. And that became the, the core philosophy of the book. And the book, you've almost described how <laughs> kind of how it's laid out. There's there's four sections, and the first one talks about the backstory for kind of where we are and how we got here and all the change that's happening. Right. And then it talks about this enormous talent gap, which we'll we'll get into in a minute. This this marketing talent gap, it's changed and the demand for it is is really acute. And then you go into the third section about marketing technology. And then finally, it's marketing strategy, how to go about getting started uh, mm -hmm. in, this, in this new world of marketing. Now, back to the first part, the backstory, there are in that section just so many interesting quotes from all the organizations you just talked about, as well as I think Capgemini was in there talking about yeah. how 90% of companies don't feel like they have the talent they need. But there was one uh, quote from a Harvard MBA that I thought summed up where a lot of people feel, uh, marketers. And she said, I was a classically trained marketer who had cut my teeth at Procter & Gamble, negotiated multi-million dollar deals with the NFL, and received an MBA at Harvard Business School, and I had become obsolete. Can you talk a little bit more about the the, the backstory, as well as some of these um, just amazing statistics that probably surprise people when you when you give talks yeah that was the story 
of Anita Newton. She's a VP at Ad Knowledge now. And she had actually written a blog post called Overcoming Extinction. That was how I came across her story. And it, the only reason I even knew about it was because she cited a, a report that we had published in January of 2014 in her blog post. Mm-hmm. So I saw that link and followed over to it and saw it. And so, yeah, I mean, she was just basically telling this incredible story about how in her mid-30s, she was in this executive position at a large enterprise and had, you know, the power and the budgets and, and she had the education and she had everything going for her and working with major brands. And, and yet she realized that she lacked the skill sets to succeed in today's environment. So she made the decision to leave the large organization and went and start, started in the, working in the startup world. And her goal was to challenge herself to diversify her skill sets and become more valuable and, and really understand what it took to be successful. And so we did, we, you know, we used that story as kind of analogy for what a lot of marketers are probably going through today. A lot of marketers have been very successful in their careers. They've gotten to the places they're at. Maybe they have a great education that, that got them started. Maybe they just have a ton of experience and, and they've you know, built a resume. But at some point, you sit and look around and say, but do I have any clue how to use marketing automation tools? And mm-hmm. do, I, you know, do I understand analytics? And can I run A-B testing on email marketing campaigns? And it's like you hear all these buzzwords getting thrown around on blogs and marketing journals. And you stop and wonder to yourself, do I have any clue what's really going on in the industry today? Mm-hmm. So that's, yeah, I think it's just such a fascinating thing. It's the organizations know, you mentioned like MIT Capgemini study. Um, on embracing digital transformation. What what was obvious in that study is they all know, the executives know they have to change, but the majority, I think it was like 63% felt the pace of change wasn't sufficient. Like they're not doing enough. And and there's a lot of reasons why that doesn't happen. Um, But no one's denying the fact that there have been major shifts and that we, the talent and the tech need to change with it, but it's just not changing fast enough. Yeah, and I think there was a study by Adobe that you talk about, the digital distress, what's keeping yeah. marketers up at night. And when that was fielded, I guess a year or two ago, it said like 73 or 76% of marketers felt that marketing had changed more in the previous the last two, two years, two years two, than yeah, in the, the previous, previous 50. Yeah. Just. Yeah, that one always stuck out to me. Yeah. And it's it's probably true. You know, if you think about the equivalent on the data side, like IBM has a stat that all um more data has been created in the last 2 years than ever. 90% of all the data in the world that exists was created in the last 2 years. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. we're creating massive amounts of information and that has a direct parallel to marketing because that data is being created because there's more connected devices, there's more consumers there's more technology to follow them along their customer journey. And so as marketers, we're now sitting back and we have to figure out how to process all of this information. So the type of person it takes, it's not just a creative mind anymore. There's, there has to be another side to that. Yeah, yeah. And that's where you, you go into the second section about this big and growing gap in marketing that is a challenge for organizations, but also an opportunity for marketers. And that's where that one thing from Capgemini that just really stuck out, I've got it here. It says, uh, you mentioned 90% of companies lack necessary digital skills in key areas of social media, mobile, internal social networks, process automation, and performance monitoring and analysis. And I can't remember, it might have been in your book or elsewhere, where there, there's this talk about 
marketers that can master that, their salaries might double in the next five years. Yeah, I didn't have any stats about the salaries, but I believe it. And I've seen similar studies because that, and that's the whole point of the book. Like it, there's lots of it that can almost seem overwhelming, but my, my core message in the book and in any talks I've done is always with obstacles come opportunities. If everyone is facing these same challenges, everyone's trying to solve this. They're trying to reinvent their careers and their businesses and figure out tech. If you take the initiative to do it, you can actually be at the forefront of the next generation of, of marketing. <laughs> Pretty quickly, actually. Yeah, because there's most pe- even the people that are trying to do it aren't necessarily doing it well. And so there's just such an immense opportunities. If you think about, you talked about the HubSpot partner program at the start. Of all this change, and as, as big as HubSpot's gotten, there's still only like 2,000 or 2,500 maybe firms now in their partner program. And of that, there's really only probably 100 of them that are actually really good at it. So there's such a massive shift, but it's still so early. And and the change is just going to accelerate. So it's really now a commitment to staying immersed in the change. And if you do that, you're going to be ahead of the curve. Absolutely. And you talk about how universities, you know, it's, as hard as they might try, they're not keeping up because they... I think in the book, uh, there was one part I laughed at. I don't know. I know you weren't trying to make me laugh, but you you talked about how you quoted, oh, I think you might have quoted uh, Christopher S. Penn, where he said, since the the invention of the printing press, higher education hasn't really changed much in 500 years. (laughs) Yeah. And and he was just talking about how, you know, it's just a certain way they do things and they can't keep up. And most of this modern marketing is self-taught. And you go through really, you know, it's worth the price of admission just to show you those handful of places where you could go to first to get training, like HubSpot's free inbound certification program or the Google Analytics and uh, AdWords training, just a a few things like that. I had a a kid, I call him a kid. He (laughs) was a senior marketing major at my local university, came in for an internship and said, you know, we put him through all that. And he said, I didn't learn any of this. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> at school. And within about six months, he stuck around right after he graduated. He snagged a sweet job in New York City doing what he'd learned in his last semester here. And and it wasn't like, you know, it was just like what you talked about in your book. And he's now really knowledgeable about a lot of this kind of thing. And, and, and he loves it. He also had a, a minor like in, in analytics. So I think he was predisposed toward that, but people can, people can do this. The other thing that, and I have to be honest, I borrowed some things from your book at a talk I recently gave where I was kind of a talk about how marketing has changed. Yeah. And one of the things I talked about was the technology. And very quickly, I found all you have to do is put up one slide with Scott Brinker's chief martech. The landscape. Yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> landscape. And, if you could talk a little bit about that, that just makes people's heads explode about how marketing technology, I think you said in the book, 50% of all new hires are going to be technical. And in this sort of this one page infographic, which is really just a series of logos, he has tried to organize all the different marketing technology. And I think he's done it like three times over the last three or four years, maybe. And it's now up to 947 different software companies in 43 categories. Yeah, and he actually just came out with another one about a month or so ago, and it's up to 1,900. 
Oh so my it, goodness. It, yeah, it, it doubled <laughs> since January of 14. So the oh, one okay. I cited in the book did double. And then they also went through and did a report on the top three categories, I think it was. And the they partnered with VentureBeat and they determined that there was roughly $22 billion invested in those companies. Uh, and that was only stuff that was not including IPOs and acquisitions, I think. It was just VC money and angel investing, I think. So reported capital investments. So yeah, it's the technology space is moving so rapidly. It, he, the first year he did it, it was like 150 companies. Then mm-hmm. it was 400. Then it was 900. Now it's 1,900. And the whole goal of that, and I, I do the same thing. I show that slide every time. And it's just to give people perspective of how quickly this is moving. And how there's the, what's the right answer today may not be the right technology tomorrow. And that's why I go back to that point about just you've got to just make a decision to, to be immersed in it, to just be consuming information, looking for better ways to do things, understanding that it's not, you know, in the 90s, you make a big decision, you spend a million dollars on IT infrastructure, and you're going to be good for 10 years. That That's not how it works today. Everything's cloud-based. It's up and running in you know 10 to 30 days um, you've got a monthly fee associated with it and you may come across something better in in 10 months I you know who knows but it takes that's why we talk so much about this hybrid idea you got you have to be a tech savvy marketer you have to be willing and able and interested in technology to really really excel and you also talk about how companies need to start doing a lot more of their own training yeah, I well, and it goes back to your point about the universities. They're just universities are phenomenal. Like they're, but they're going to continue to do what they have done, and that is provide a foundation. They are not going to be the ones to train digital savvy, tech savvy marketers. It's just, it's not realistic to think that they're going to shift their approach. So organizations need to find people with the core skill sets, the intangible traits that they know they can develop. And then they need to put some formal structure to their own programs and put them through online training and build in their own internal training. But there's plenty of ways to teach the skills necessary. Um, to your point about the intern, you can, you can do it in three months time. You can have somebody onboarded if you use the right tools. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the book, you uh, talk about one thing, and I want to ask you to do me a favor, if you would. Uh, you talk about it, part of a training program for your company. You say, form an internal marketing book club to read and discuss new marketing or business book each month. So when you come out with the paperback, if you could just amend that to say, and listen to the marketing book <laughs> podcast, I'd, I'd really appreciate it. Noted. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. <laughs> So before we wrap up, I would like to ask you to talk about the marketing score. I, I use it. I use it for clients, for prospects, and I, I, I would hope that more people could use it, and you'd probably like that as well. Yeah, the, it's themarketingscore.com. It's an online assessment tool we built. It came out in December of 2012. Basically, the, the premise was we used to use SurveyMonkey. There would be like 30 questions. We would ask a, a prospective client to go through and answer them. And then they would get a thank you page at the end. And it was trying to help us understand their strength of their foundations and their potential for success to Mm -hmm. make sure that we would align their expectations with our ability to grow their business. So the marketing score tool has, there's 27 profile profile fields, and then there's 130 or so factors that are all on a zero to 10 scale. 
And people just go through and rate themselves in their marketing tech, marketing team, lead sources, marketing performance. And at the end, they get a visualization of how they're performing in those different areas. So we use that to help guide people on how to structure their marketing programs. How and to prioritize. Build. Yeah, and prioritize. So it is a free tool. We don't, and we actually don't actively use it even as a, a business development tool, believe it or not, for PR 2020. We just use it as when someone comes to us and we need to do an assessment, it's the tool we use to do it. And we just opened it up so anyone else could use it as well. We're not, we're not monetizing it in any way. And, and we're not really even using it to drive conversions for the agency. We're releasing a company portal version of it in the near future, probably in the next 30 days, mm -hmm. where people will be able to create admin accounts and you'll be able to actually go through and invite other people from your company to also take it. And then you can do a side-by-side -side comparison of how the CMO and the marketing manager and the sales director rate the company in these different areas. Hmm. So it's just really meant to be a planning tool. It's, it's meant to be, it's chapter eight of the book talks all about the assessment, like the process. It uses marketing score as a model. It's not saying you have to use that tool. Uh, it's literally just saying, like, here are the factors you should be thinking about when you're assessing your organization before you move into the strategy phase. Yeah. Let me just mention one thing about your other book. In the marketing world, there's lots of agency folks. And for those agency listeners, I just wanted to share how your book fit into sort of my evolution as a marketing person. There was an article in, I think it was Fast Company, uh, maybe 2010, 2011, something like that. And it was an enormous piece called uh, Mayhem on Madison Avenue. I'll, mm -hmm. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. And it was all, uh, and I had come from Madison Avenue and I you know, pretty much worked in the ad business. And I saw that and it was, what a wake up call. <laughs> and, you know, got me depressed and worried. But you know <laughs> what? It, it got me to pull my head out of the sand. But in the article, it talked about how there were there were even certain people who were of a certain age. This goes back to the beginning of, of our talk here, where the how much things had changed. There were certain people who maybe had hit about sixty, and they were in the ad business, and they said, "All right, that's it. I, <laughs> I'm out. I, I just can't. I can't keep up with this. I got to move on." But the article it talked about this is what's happened basically in the agency world and the advertising business. Your book, which came along a bit after that, was for me a way of saying, okay, but here's where it's going. Right. And that's why I would encourage agency people to pick up the Marketing Agency Blueprint because it's still applicable and it shows you a way, uh, the way it's going. And of course, it's been borne out by, by time since it's been published. Yeah, I appreciate that. And I think you sent me that article at one point. I remember you emailing me a couple of different articles. Oh, really? But that one sounds familiar as one you may have forwarded me at some point. Yeah, well, it's just, it's funny how, you know, like your book was a milestone and that article was a milestone. There were a few other things um, that just sort of made me look around and say, wow, what's, what's going on here? But I think it, it, there was one part in your book where you said, um, let me see if I've got it here. I can't find it, but it was sort of about complacency. You talk about complacency in your book. Oh, yeah. That was in, in the digital trans transformation chapter. It was the embracing digital transformation that MIT Capgemini study. They talked about the, the reasons why organizations aren't shifting, even though they, they know they need to. And complacency was the biggest factor. I think it was like 63% of the people said it was just complacency. Like, we're just... 
we're comfortable being big and slow and um, nobody wants to rock the boat and we're successful. So why change now? Yes. Oh, and here, it was, I found know. it. It's uh, let me quote from it. it. It was one of my favorites. Ironically, success itself may be one of the largest culprits in creating complacent cultures. Too often business leaders become comfortable with historical success and lack motivation to change their ways. And I think that's why you're seeing more Davids slaying Goliaths out there because the Goliaths are just like, oh, no, we're, we have too much to lose. Right. That's <laughs> so, true. Well, before we wrap up, let me ask you a couple other questions. Are there any marketing books you've read recently that you recommend? <laughs> Another Cleveland guy. Uh, Jeff Roars has a book called Audience, which I have um, kind of made a required reading within the agency. I noticed I, I think- you, you mentioned it in your book. Yeah, I love that book. It's a very, it's a really good read to just really understand how to target better, like how how to know who you're going after. And it's one of those titles that's like deceptively simple, but in a good way. Like when you get into the book, you realize that you just, it it helps you think differently about segmenting, about prioritizing audiences. Uh, I don't know. I just found a lot of value in it. And I think a lot of people could. We've recorded an interview with him and it was really good. And the, the, one of the things I loved about audience was it's it's almost helpful in rewiring the marketing brain yeah. because you start thinking about your audience <laughs> instead mm-hmm. of instead of treating it as an afterthought it's right. like it's like a something that maybe one day in the future your your audience or your subscribers are actually going to be on a balance sheet are there any marketing books on your upcoming reading list I actually have the sales acceleration formula by Mark Roberge is oh, the yeah. next in the list. So Mark, if people don't know, is um, be, built the sales system that is HubSpot. So took them from zero to 100 million, and and so that's a new book. I think it just came out in the last week or two, and it's just the it's the process they put together to construct the HubSpot system. Yeah, and I just heard him interviewed on um, John Jance's duct tape marketing podcast yeah. and uh it's on my reading list too and i hope to be able to interview mark here on this podcast at some point in the future uh which marketing blogs do you enjoy following to keep up yeah, there's a ton of them but I, a couple of the, the big ones would be kiss metrics uh-huh. i'm a huge fan i mean they just have great stuff there's only a few that i actually still get emails from it's the ones I don't want to miss. And yeah, Kissmetrics yeah. is definitely on that list. Uh, Scott Brinker, who you mentioned earlier with chiefmartech.com, Content Marketing Institute, you know, they've got a ton of great stuff. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Jay and uh, Bear and Mitch Joel, certainly I, you know, follow theirs closely as well. So there's you know another dozen that I probably still read daily, but those are some of the big ones. But the point is you're marinating in it on a daily basis. Like uh Oh yeah. You have yeah, to. I just I'm constantly consuming. Yeah, well, there's on. also probably a fear of uh, missing out. Like you, you, you really do need to keep up, uh, yeah. and you don't want to. You don't want to miss out. Yeah. Well, Paul, thanks very much for your for your leadership on all these uh, marketing related things in your books, and thanks for being on the Marketing Book Podcast. Uh, thank you for having me, and I will definitely make note to feature it in the next book. <laughs> thank you. I really appreciate that. <laughs> And that closes the book on another episode of the Marketing Book Podcast. Links to everything mentioned are in the show notes at marketingbookpodcast.com. And while you're there, you can subscribe to the podcast newsletter to get notified of every new episode, its show notes, links, and other useful things. Also, at marketingbookpodcast.com, there are about 20 free marketing ebooks on a wide variety of topics that lots of people have found helpful. 
If you're one of the people who's left an iTunes or Stitcher review, I really appreciate it. And it has more impact than you might realize. A one-sentence review shoots the podcast way up in the listings. Finally, I get such a kick out of hearing from my listeners. It really makes my day. To send a message, just go to marketingbookpodcast.com and click on the Contact Podcast button. Got an idea or suggestion? Maybe I'm doing something wrong? Let me know. Thanks again for listening to the Marketing Book Podcast. Till next time. Pronounce your name properly, please. Ratzer. Ratzer, as if it's R-A-T-E-Z-E-R. Okay. I usually hear it mispronounced. Yeah, I was. I don't know if you were there, but it was funny. Somebody, it was either Caputa or Patrick Shea, introduced me at Inbound this year, and then they asked, like, were they saying it correctly? And I said, no, it's actually Ratzer. That that must have been right. Yeah. <laughs> and they, they said, we've been meeting in a conference room. We've been calling Ratzer for three years, <laughs> and then like that. That night at the bar, I must have had a half a dozen HubSpot people come up and say, is it true that your name is Ratzer? Like, this, this, this is a, what's true in the world if we aren't even meeting in the right room? <laughs> Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.